You're listening to Montreal Hockey Now, the premier hockey podcast for the Montreal Canadiens. This week on the show, the boys have Luke Gillenas on the podcast to discuss everything Habs related. Now, here are your hosts, Jimmy and Marco. And welcome to another edition of Montreal Hockey Now podcast with your host, me, Jimmy Murphy, and my co-host, Marco D'Amico. And joining us is my, my good friend, Luke Jelena from RDS. I'm sure you Canadians fans know him well from there. And uh, we'll, get, we'll get right into it, guys. I mean, the much-anticipated, for a long time, Gary Price return happens uh, tonight on Friday, on Good Friday, actually. Uh, Carey Price returns to the lineup against the New York Islanders. His first start since Game 5 of the 2021 Stanley Cup Final last July. Uh, Luke, I'll start with you right now. You know, just your thoughts overall on what this means uh, for Carey and for the team right off the bat. I think that's really important for him after his surgery. Uh, He didn't play for almost 300 days. And uh, that's important to play go through a game and see how he feels uh, the day after. If he can play three, four games uh, before the end of the season, he might go for the summer. That's going to be a long summer, May, June, July, August, four full months before the training camp. So he will be uh, in peace with his knee and uh, he will be ready for next season. And that's important for the management too. I think they're going to have, they need to sit with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 34. He's an elite player. I'm sure he can come back as an elite level and see with him the situation. If he wants to stay here with the rebuild process, uh, if the management want to keep him too in the, 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 that rebuild process, and if he's LP, uh, it's easier to make some decision, uh, during this, decisions during the, the summertime. Yeah, well, Marco wrote a good <clears throat> earlier this week in anticipation of this return and just kind of laying out the scenarios that could happen. And as you just said there, one of them is, I mean, and I know Canadians fans don't like to hear that, but it's a very realistic chance that he can get traded. Marco, I'll let you get a little more into what you wrote there and kind of give the viewers here and listeners uh, kind of an idea of what the Canadians options are right now. Yeah. I mean, it stems with Carey Price. I think him coming back this now is, is important in all forms of the decision because a healthy Carey Price allows you to move ahead with, you know, the dominoes. And so having a healthy carry price, you have two questions to ask. One, do you want to stick around for this rebuild? And two, is there even a rebuild if carry price is around? Because you can't really finish low if you have carry price in net. I mean, it's, it happened in 2018, but there was a long list of injuries then too. And we, you know, it, it, they want a lottery to pick high that year uh, and drafting is very cock and So it's, it is, extremely difficult especially with the way that arizona and seattle have built their teams to envision them being a basement team next year if carry price is in nets the full season so you you have a direction you have to ask him what he wants and then your decisions come from there if he doesn't necessarily want to stick around and would prefer to run for a cup well then you got to do everything in your power to accommodate retain salary take back contracts do what you got to do but you know carry price deserves a stanley cup I, it's, I think it's, he's one of those last players that, you know, Joe Thornton comes to mind as well, like that deserve that Stanley cup. Um, mm-hmm. And so once a decision is taken on that, then you move to the, to the rest of the goaltending uh, situation. You know, if you keep, if you keep Carey Price, do you need Jake Allen? Can you go with Samuel Montembeau? Because we know that Jake Allen was a very sought after asset leading up to the trade deadline. He's got yes. one year at less than 3 million. And, and 
we can clearly see he can he can play a number one role, a one A or a one B, uh, or or you know be a backup, you know, to a younger up and coming goalie. Like for example, in Toronto, with if you're going to re-sign Jack Campbell, you're going to want a decent backup to back him up when things get heavy. Uh, that's an that's an option there. Um, so you look at the options, Jake Allen becomes a trade piece if you keep Carey Price, just like Jake Allen becomes indispensable if you do trade Carey Price. Um, so one leads to the other. And then obviously the question with Samuel Montembeau, like what do you do with that? I think that Samuel Montembeau stated he wants to stay. I believe him. I think everybody would like for him to stay. I think he's performed admirably given the team that's played in front of him. And again, we saw it the last few nights and he battles and he gives the team a chance uh, to win every game. So to me, uh, you know, he's a guy from here. He's he's a guy that grew up wanting to be a Canadian. The Canadians picked him off waivers. Um, I think it would be great to bring a guy like him back. And again, all of this stems uh, from Carey Price. I think the only sure thing uh, from an organizational perspective in net is that Caden Primo needs to play the entire season next year in Laval. Yeah, it's inter- I was just going to say, I noticed one name you hadn't mentioned there, and you got right to it there. It's Primo. Look, Marco, I, I, I've, I've told you this, and, and we reported it as well in that story, is that when the Canadians, I, I was told from a pretty reliable source, uh, a guy that does a lot of scouting, I'll just put it that way, um, he, he told me that when the Canadians were scouting the St. Louis Blues, uh, excuse, excuse me, when the Canadians, yeah, when the Canadians were scouting St. Louis Blues, heading into the deadline, they weren't necessarily just scouting for the deadline. They were scouting, looking ahead to free agency too. And there's a big UFA out of St. Louis if he reaches it. And that's Billy Huso. And he's had, I mean, let's say he's been one of the top 10 goalies in the league this year. And he's still without a contract. If and when you find out that Carey Price wants to be trader, he'll agree to a trade. Would he not be a good guy to bring in at age 27? I don't know what he's going to come in, but you know, it's his first time out on the market. Um, would he be a good guy to come in that can give you a good legit chance to win? And also you get your guys below him developing as well. What do you think, Luke? I'm, I'm really, I really don't know. All the situation de- depends on, on cover price. Uh, if, uh-huh. if he stays or if he leaves, uh, going to be really interesting. But uh, like Marco said, if Carey Price is here, maybe the, the, the rebuild is not over, but this team can win. So if yeah. Carey Price is not here, there's no urgency to to win next season. Just want to have a decent team, keep uh, building, uh, developing the, the young players. And that might be a tough maybe year at the blue line because I'm sure Caden Primo will be there. Uh, Jordan Harris deserves uh, to be here to be here too, I think. Uh, Maybe Baron. Uh, don't forget, uh, Romanov is only 22, and that's going to yep. be his fourth season in the in the league next year. So that's going to be important to have a really good goalie. Uh, but who knows? It's it's tough to predict, I guess. But I, I totally goalie, agree with the, what Marco said earlier. 100. Yeah. yeah, you know the it, the thing I think about though, and the key here too though, is what Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon have expressed before on more than one occasion that this isn't going to be your typical rebuild that they do want to delve into the free agent market. What that means, we won't know until we get there. And so if that, you're a free agent, do you want to come to Montreal for well, that's the another rebuild process? Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You see what they did, though, Gorton did with the Rangers. You know, they sent a letter out and said, we're blowing it all up. It's going to be a long, painful rebuild. And then what, two years later, they they sign our Tommy Panarin? I don't see the Canadians necessarily doing something that extreme. I think they could be uh, competitive, though. 
a lot more competitive than maybe people think. What do you think, Marco? I think we also have to take into consideration that when Gorton penned that letter versus when Panarin was signed, different moves occurred. Like they traded for Jacob Truba, right? They yeah. sacrificed a first round pick to go and get a top yeah. four right shot defenseman. So right off the bat, you're like, mm, I don't necessarily think they want to tank, even though they won the lottery. I mean, that was by chance, but then you wind up with a guy like Panarin as well. And then you slowly have Zabinajad is there and Kreider comes into his own. And so like the pieces were coming together, just like right now with the Canadians, the pieces are coming together. You have Caulfield, uh, that's scoring at will. You have Suzuki, who's been a point-per-game center for basically the last 30, 35 games. Um, so I could see the desire. And then, obviously, there's the St. Louis effect. I mean, we heard it from Vincent LeCavalier's mouth when he joined the Canadians. The reason he didn't sign with Montreal was because he was more impressed with Peter LaViolette in Philadelphia than he was with Michel Terry in Montreal. Yeah. And so the Martin St. Louis effect is going to be a thing because people are going to look at how he helped guys like Rem Pitlick, how he's helped Alexander Romanov, how he's helped um, Christian Dvorak find yeah. their games when previously throughout this year they were they were dwindling. And I think that's what they're going to pay attention to in the style of play. So that could be the de facto uh, change. Luke, you know, you look at, you've worked through many seasons covering the Montreal Canadiens. I want to get your opinion. Is this Maybe one of, if not the most important off seasons they've had. Uh, it's tough because uh, they have no no margin with the cap, so you cannot sign free agents like that. If they if they sign free agents, they have to to move some contracts like Jeff Petrie, Brendan Gallagher, Jonathan Drouin, Shea Weber. So I, I'm not that sure that's an important summer. I think it's it's a process there. A lot of good young players. It's not like they, they start from scratch, but they are not going to win and be a contender right away this next year with Suzuki and Caulfield and Romanov and, and Evans and, uh, and Goulet. I think that that's going to take a few a few more years. So I don't think the next summer is, is all the summers are important, but I think that's I believe that's not a really really important summer like maybe it was like uh, two years ago. Yeah, and what what's been your take on Marty St. Louis? Uh, I mean, did did he surprise you or of what you yeah. knew of him? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. didn't expect he's really, he's really good, and uh, and like Marco said, all the players are better under him. You look uh -huh. at all the guys in the, individually; they play a better hockey game mm -hmm. since he's there. But I think the the effect it's, it's almost gone now. They they play for a coach. The the only one in the last 15 games but this week it was tougher because I felt like they, they gave up in Columbus and uh, they played a bad game against Winnipeg they were lucky Samuel Montabo was playing really well that night but that's the first time they played two bad games in a row so uh, it, I mean lucky Samuel Montabo was so the, the I think that um, the, the, the effect of having a new coach now is gone. They, now they play for a coach. They appreciate and, and they respect, and is, is still really really good. But he, don't forget the <laughs> the players he, he has. There's yeah. Grand Petlick who we like him, but uh, he costs nothing. Montabo costs nothing. Uh, <laughs> that's not a great team. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have to be honest. Aris is a rookie. Schumann, same thing. <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, it's, look, you look at this team, too, and it, it, on so many nights it, since he's been hired, they amaze you. I mean, they're, 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 they're fun to watch, and, they, and it's to be able to make a team in a lost season like this and considering the way things had gone before he got – to be able to draw fans back into the building, to draw the media, to start paying attention. I know it's Montreal. You're always going to pay attention to Canadians, but you know what I mean? To start talking positive about them. I, I didn't see that happening back in January when I start when I took over Montreal Hockey Now. And then, like, man, I'm, I'm walking into a funeral here. But now it doesn't feel like a funeral, you know? It feels like maybe a good Irish wake here and there, but uh, it's it's not what I expected. It's been fun. And, and look, I'm, I'm yeah, covering right. At once, and you know, the other team I, I keep an eye on is the Bruins, and obviously, they're headed for the playoffs. But honestly, in the last couple months, I've had more fun when I'm doing my Canadian stuff than I have when I'm doing the Bruins because it's just they, they play an exciting brand of hockey again and they're giving a sense of optimism, which is great. But listen, I want to get in and we'll get back to the Canadians in a bit. But uh, obviously, on Friday, we all heard some horrible news Mike Bossy passes away. Uh, just a legendary player from you guys' neck of the woods there, from Laval, uh, and, and just one of the best, I mean, not one, obviously one of the top five goal scorers ever, uh, and, and just everything he did on and off the ice. I, I didn't know him personally, but uh, I did have a good story. Uh, the old right. I don't know if you remember Luke, uh, Russ Conway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah. yeah so, so one time uh, Russ was telling me a story. I mean, Russ would tell me so many stories. I, I was really close with him. I miss him. And, um, you know, he started talking. I don't know how we were talking about Mike Fossey, but anyhow, uh, he said, you know, one time he was in a pub with him after a game and he was asking him how, you know, how do you just have that release? You know, we've seen the pure goal scorers do it. You could argue that he had the quickest release. It was almost like he was almost already shooting before the puck even got there and he knew where it was going to, he said, where does that come from? And, and, and Bossy said, well, Half of it's pure bleeping luck, and, and half of it is practice. <laughs> I thought that was one of the best quotes. He's just saying, look, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not good, but at the same time, a lot of it is luck. But he, you know, he talked about how he used to uh, practice in his driveway and just shoot pucks and pucks and pucks until the sun would go down um, and just seem like a really good guy. And I, I just was looking at some of the stats, you know, today when people were talking about it, you start, you start looking, you know, wow, man, I mean, this was one of these guys, and we don't necessarily have this anymore in the game, right? You've got Ovechkin, and maybe now you can put Matthews in that category as well with the goals he's scoring this year. But this is one of these guys where you just knew every year he was going to hit the 50-goal mark. Uh, I, I just – I don't know what you remember of him uh, as a reporter, as a, as just a fan, Luke, if you could just talk a bit about Mike Bossy. Man, I met him a couple of times for interviews, or I was at the, the same place at the same moment, had a little conversation, but I was not close to him. But, um, you know, he works on the radio network. He works for TVA, the other sports network here. And I have uh, plenty of friends with TVA. And uh, every time they talk about Mike Bossy, just good words, like this yeah. guy is a really – Good person, and the way he behave with people remind me Jacques Demes. Jacques loves everybody. He wants to be there to help everybody listen. So I think Mike Mike Bossy is the same kind of guy. The the, the story you told about uh, Ross Conway, uh, Robert Aflam from NHL.com, the, but the French website wrote a story this morning about the fact he went to hockey school in Laval and Mike Bossy was there, and for him that was a turning point in his. Wow. Uh, in his hockey career, uh, like at 10 years old, because at that time he started to 
to cheers for the Islanders instead of the Habs. And uh, at, at the beginning of his speech, Mike Bossy said, I'm going to give you a tip, guys, at the end, a really important secret about being a good scorer. And the secret was shoot anywhere. Because if you don't, do, if you don't know where you're going to shoot, the goalie cannot know too. So that, that was not a secret. <laughs> but for him as a kid, he was like, wow, I'm going to shoot anywhere and I'm going to score. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's That's almost the same life. story as the one. With yeah, the, exactly. A lot of coaches me. say, right? They always say, "Hey, only good things can happen if you shoot, right?" Yeah. I mean, if you bounce off the boards, you get a good ricochet, you could get a rebound. So never, never pass up a shot, uh, like Wayne Gretzky always said, right? I, I mean, Marco, you're a little younger. I don't know what memories you have. Uh, I story. don't, but I could tell you some fun ones. I mean, you talk about him always practicing. My dad was one of the goalies he would shoot on at the rink in Laval. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. My dad was not a good goalie, but I mean, he just needed a body and net and, you know, they would just practice and shoot. And, um, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the manager of the rink eventually became his father-in-law. Um, wow. and, and so, you know, when you look at how he impacted hockey in Laval and basically the, the greater Montreal region, like if I'm not mistaken in junior, he played in Laval as well for the nationals. Um, yeah. And my, my, I remember my grandmother telling me, cause uh, it was my grandfather's favorite player. He was pissed that they drafted Mark Napier instead of Mike Bossy because Mike Bossy was the hometown guy. Everybody was going yeah. crazy for him. Um, and so when they eventually didn't, uh, my father, my grandfather made it a point and they went to his last game in Laval. Uh, there's a, there's a picture actually online right now surfacing of Mike Bossy with his two parents uh, at the Cadizé in Laval uh, during, for that last game. It was surreal. I mean, he's synonymous. I grew up in Laval. My dad grew up in Laval um, and he was the guy. You know, obviously, then I then Martin St. Louis came around and he lived the block away from me. So things kind of shifted. But for that generation in the 80s, he was the guy. He was the most efficient goal scorer. And had it not been for his back injury, uh, we wouldn't be talking yeah. about Wayne's, Wayne Gretzky's scoring record. We'd yeah, be talking yeah. about Mike Bossy's yeah. scoring record. Because yeah, quit that Wayne Gretzky years may old. have the goals. But yeah. Mike Bossy has the best goals per game average Ever. in the history of the NHL. Yeah. And did you see Gretzky's tweet today too? There's a picture of him and uh, Bossy on uh, oh, Team Canada. On Team Canada, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I didn't realize that they because that so that must have been the, I think it was 1984. It was that team, but yeah, he he was something. Now, I I saw him play once uh, at the old Boston Garden when I was I must have only been about eight years old, so I don't remember too much of it. But yeah, he was something else. He was. But let's get back to current uh, times here, and you know, going forward, Luke. Um, you know, we talked about every, there are a lot of question marks, but what you've taken from the St. Louis era so far, it's a very short one. What do you, like, what's the biggest trait that you've noticed come out in the players or the biggest uh, quality that maybe he's instilled in that locker room? It's unbelievable, um, the respect he got in the dressing room. Uh, and the thing that impressed me the most, it's, the fact that he, he can talk to all the players and he'd been in the, the same situation earlier in his career. He was a guy that never been yeah. drafted. He was a guy who was working really hard to get a chance in the NHL. He was a fourth line player. He played on power play, on penalty killing. And then he was a superstar, one of the best players on the planet. And then uh, a guy was getting old and wanted to stay in the league. So every time he, he talked to a guy, he can feel other guy yeah. is, is in the same moment. So all the he earned a lot of respect. All the players listen to him, 
And he has a great ability of giving confidence to his players and freedom on the ice, but at the same time being responsible too as well. So uh, that's really, really impressive. uh, impressive. By the way, I apologize for my accent from uh, Shawinigan, and uh, I know my my English is far from perfect. I I don't do a lot of English podcasts and stuff like that because I know I'm poor, but you're my friend. Yeah, and I was I not able to that. say no. I cannot say no to Jay Murphy. <laughs> hey, hey, and also too, my fr- my French needs a lot of uh, improvement as well. But one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to come up there and shock you guys and start. Talking. And I think you can testify. My English is much better after two, three beers. <laughs> it is, it is, of course, of course. And we'll, we'll have to test that English when, uh, during the draft week, eh? Speaking of, guys, hey, that's going to be really exciting, huh? I mean, having the draft in Montreal, like, of course, they, they lost out on COVID, but the fact that it's going to happen now, I mean, I'll tell you, thankfully, our boss is uh, is taking care of our, our lodging there and our travel, but I was just breezing through because I was thinking about maybe staying a few extra nights and man, did the hotel prices go up in Montreal? Uh, they are skyrocketing right now. Oh yeah, but it's gonna, yep. it's, you know, it's the first summer since uh, since COVID started that I think people are gonna be out and enjoying themselves. And I, you know, you've been to plenty of drafts. I've been trying to tell Marco uh, what a great time it is and what a great networking uh, time it is. But also, I think one thing I've noticed, uh, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Luke, is it's almost become a bigger trade deadline than the actual trade deadline, right? I mean, it's like that's when all the trades are made. So now I look at it for Jeff Gordon and, and Kent Hughes and with everything going on and the carry price situation and all the contracts, like, man, they are just going to be like the center of the hockey universe. And to have it right there in the town with multiple first round picks, that that's pretty cool. I mean, that, that's going to be an exciting time. I think it's going to be great for the city, but great for the team as well. I'm anxious to see if they are going to be able to swing some contract. Like yeah. Weber, like uh, Petrie, maybe Drouin. Uh, maybe they can uh, do a two-for-one, take Weber, but take Drouin, or take... Uh, yeah. Maybe they're going to uh, they have retain a portion of the salary. That's going to be really interesting, yeah. And uh, for the kids, for all the agents, the managers, everybody's in town, you're, you're right. That's a, a two, three, maybe four days. Really, really interesting. All the time, yeah. all the time. Marco, how's the site to you? Uh, I'll tell you what. I've spoken to three quarters of the first round already, and they're yeah. psyched. Yeah, Marco's uh, doing you know, a great job with these prospects. I, I spoke to Logan Cooley last week, and, you know, he's just like, I haven't been to Montreal since I was, like, 12, uh, <laughs> and I'm 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 raring to go. Um, you know, uh, Matthew uh, Savoy in Winnipeg is, is raring to go. These players are psyched that this draft is going to be live. I, I think it's going to be great, but I, as you pointed out, I think it's going to be, you know, and Elliot Friedman also kind of alluded to this. It's going to be a wild summer because teams didn't do much this this year in terms of, of player movement, more than what we thought they would do, but they didn't do a lot of big yeah. trades because of the cap, obviously. But what happens right before the draft is the first buyout window. And that's when a lot of the surprises in this league happen is the buyout window. We've seen yeah. some major contracts, Keith Yandel, I never thought Keith Yandel would get bought out by the Florida Panthers. He got bought out. What did that do? It allowed the Florida Panthers to go and trade for Sam Reinhardt. You yeah. know, so that's you're going to see a lot of that, uh, I think, leading up to this draft specifically, because now we know, hey, escrow is probably going to end two years from now, as the NHL has said. We can forecast accordingly and spend accordingly, and I think teams are going to be aggressive in trying to get the players they want now so they can fit them in their salary yeah. structure then. 
that must have been tough for GMs. I mean, you think about it, like with with so much uncertainty and the way things kept going like this and just changing and changing. And you're looking at it like, well, how the heck am I supposed to do this? And I, I, I don't have the time to do it, but can you imagine if you sat down right now, right? And you went over every transaction since COVID began. It it must be astronomical because look at all the different types of trends. You would put guys on IR just to get just to free up space to make a, a move for one day, and then like just stuff like Maybe. that. Yeah. So many crazy moves like that that were going on. So yeah, it's going to be good now that they they get to go into a draft like you said within the buyout window with a much clearer picture. I think it's going to be great for them. Um, before we let you go though, Luke, I, I want to ask you: um, Have you? Has anyone heard from Dominic Ducharme? No, not at all. Uh, yeah. I was wondering no. about that the other day. Yeah, no. do you think he resurfaces with another team or what? I have to be honest. I don't think so. Yeah, you think I think, he's a, he's, a, I think he's a junior coach. Show. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't. I, that's a fair assessment. It's not insulting. You're just telling the truth. I mean, or I a really good assistant coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And there's not, hey, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, it is what it is. But man, night and day in terms of. Uh, Asking questions of Marty and Tim. <laughs> it's like pulling needles. And I'm like, this is so hard to watch. And sometimes I thought, you know, during those times, right before he got fired, he almost seemed like, uh, you know, he was one of those hostages uh, in the hostage videos being told what to say. And he's just kind of, it was tough to watch. And he was really good with us. When we asked questions, uh, we got the answers, honest yeah. answers all the time. He was explaining the situation thing is, I'm not sure if uh, the message was uh, was the same thing in the dressing room, and if the, the right. players accept the message the, the message at that time from him. Yeah. From what I heard. Yeah, I heard stuff. some bad stories too. I yeah. did too. But I, I, did I, I like him. I hope he's gonna bounce back somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I hope he does he's too. A great guy. I'll, I'll tell you too. What you know? Now we're just talking coaching here. Going back to St. Louis. I find it interesting too. Like we always see when teams get a new coach, right? They get that bump and they, they play well for about five, seven, maybe 10 games. Max. Yeah, like Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. But then they kind of even out, right? We haven't really seen that. I mean, I, I know that they're still losing and you know, that the last game was nothing to write home about, but at the same time, it's like the efforts there every night, no matter what, win or lose. And, and as I said earlier, the excitement's there and, Marco, I, I think you've seen it. I mean, you pay more attention to, like, the prospects, and you can see that in these kids that are coming up, how much they're embracing it and buying into it. Eh? I mean, Montreal, uh, I believe it was against Tampa Bay, iced their youngest defensive core in the last 35 years uh, when they had three rookies in their lineup plus sophomore Romanov. Um, so just take that into consideration. The only player over the age of 30 on their blue line was David Savard. Wow. Yeah. So – when I look at this season, the Canadians have the record officially as of Monday for the most amount of games lost to injury in the history of the NHL for one season. They're now close to 700 games lost to injury. Um, when you look at that, you look at the players they've lost, you look at how they've lost them, and you look at how they're losing them down the stretch. And we know that a lot of these players are playing injured. Nick Suzuki has an attended practice in two weeks. Uh, Josh Anderson is treatment, no treatment, out of the lineup, in the lineup, game time decision, we'll see. And Jeff Petrie is most likely not at 100% either. So you're... And Montembeau, I mean, Montembeau and is not 100%. No, Montembeau's been yeah. playing with a with a bad hand, I think, since January. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you can see that. And despite that, it's exciting hockey. And yeah. so 
yes, the results aren't there, but they don't, you know, they don't have the players to execute that at a level that will allow them to beat elite teams on a regular basis yet. But mm-hmm. when you've built the mentality and you've built the culture, then you go and find the players that fit that culture so that you can execute that game properly. And I think that's what this summer and the next couple of years are going to be. Yeah, and uh, the show is interesting. Right. Like you said, both of you, uh, they're, they're competing. So they're not losing by five, six goals anymore like it was in October, November, December. They, they are close all the time. And we can see um, in the ratings like in December, January, the ratings were really, really bad. For RDS, for TVA. Now the, re- the, the ratings are pretty decent wow. for, for games, means nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's you got to have an exciting amazing. style. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you brought up, I think it was you, Luke, earlier talking about uh, just a, a regular off season, right? That's going to help these veterans, too. Like we were, we're, talk- we're talking about price, but let's look at some of the other veterans, too. Gallagher. I mean, yeah. Gallagher and, and Petrie, if he stays. And like, think about what. Not just the Canadians. Think about what NHL players have been through through the last two years. And, hey, let's include the media in there, too. We haven't had a break. I mean, <laughs> for what? We've had like a month break, it feels like. People are always like, oh, you must be uh, getting a lot of free time with COVID and everything. I'm like, what are you talking about? I feel like I've been in this two-year-long season. It's just it's, – sometimes it's just like one long season to me. And that's how the players, I imagine, feel as well. So now to kind of have that normalcy back – and to be able to go home, have some downtime, do some vacationing with the family, go golfing, whatever they want to do, go surfing, who knows. But they to have that will be both mentally and physically huge uh, for the Canadians and for every NHL team. And I, I think we're going to see that on the ice next year when the, when the training camp arrives. You're going to see just uh, right away a rejuvenated uh, team. Guys, before we go, I want to ask one quick question too, and I mentioned them just now. The Petrie situation. I'll start with you, Luke. Uh, he, he he hasn't, from, by all counts, I haven't heard anyone report it. The trade request is still out there. He still wants to get traded. Can they trade him? And and what do you think they can get for him? It's tough to trade Jeff Petrie because of uh, the nature of his contract. Uh, but I hope, I think uh, the, the problem was, uh, was not with the team, the management, or... Uh, the system or the coach. Of course, he was not pleased with the Dominique Duchamp, but it was more related to the situation in the province of Quebec with the COVID restrictions. And as a father, a husband, uh, might be tough for me to spend like three, four months without my, my family. So I, I understand it was tough for him. It was tough for his wife too. Uh, I travel across uh, America, USA and Canada, and it's right, it's tough for here. In it Columbus, there's no mask anymore. You can go to restaurant anywhere. Uh, I feel okay with the situation. I respect that, but I can understand people who find that really tough. So uh, let's see. I think uh, I don't know the word in English, but in French, it's reconciliation. Or I, I believe there's nothing broken. In fact, maybe. Things can clear here in the province of Quebec. The pandemic is almost over, and uh, they got to need good veteran, uh, veterans at the blue line. They have only Savar and Edmondson, and if Petrie can stay, uh, I think that that's going to be good for the team, good for him. So that that, that my my wish is that going to find a a way to fix uh, the problem and uh, start on a blank page uh, next season. Yeah, Marco. Yeah, I agree. I think the the COVID situation was what prompt 
prompted a lot of this desire to move out and obviously the the, the limitations in Quebec have been reduced and it doesn't look like they're going to be reimposed uh, anytime soon and like we said yeah absolutely the, the damage has been done I mean, we talk about this season but last season the Canadians were in a bubble right they couldn't they couldn't see their families until what was it the Stanley Cup final or the 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 the, the semi-final I apologize so again it was a full year then and he's got three young sons and another on the way and then you factor in this season I, I could understand it and we know we know for a fact that there are teams that were interested that simply just couldn't make the money work. Um, so it's, it was a question of timing in my, in, in my honest opinion. I think that as we talked about before the buyout period, a lot of contracts coming up, you look at a team like Dallas, there's no way they're going to be able to afford uh, a guy like John Klingberg. Maybe they circle back to a guy like Jeff Petrie, who knows Jim Nill quite well uh, yeah. and whom Jim Nill has shown interest in when he was in Detroit. That's an option. LA is another option. They desperately need a right shot defenseman because they're just left shots. They're playing, Jordan Spence and Sean Dursey were left-handed shots on the right side right now in LA yeah. uh, with Drew Doughty injured. So that's another team and the Bergevin connection is there as well. There, there's a few teams that could use a 40-point mobile defenseman in, the, in, in, in Jeff Petrie. And I don't think you just forget how to play hockey. And in, in fact, yeah. under Martin St. Louis, he's, at, he's scoring at a 47-point pace mm. for a defenseman. And I understand his contract. I totally understand his contract. But if Montreal is able to take back another contract, then the vicinity of three to four million to make it work in order to to get assets for Jeff Petrie. Yeah, I think that's a trade that's going to happen. And stranger things have happened. Milan Lucic was traded. Jeff Petrie can get traded. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. All right, guys. Well, listen, Luke, I appreciate you taking the time. We finally made it happen. Uh, sorry about the last time we were in the bar there. And we couldn't. Hey, no problem. Uh, maybe we'll do that in person in uh, in McLean's one time soon. I would love. I to. hope. I wish. So. I wish so. Yeah, I hope so too. So uh, that's Luke Jelliner from RDS. He's Marco D'Amico. I'm Jimmy Murphy. This has been another edition of the Montreal Hockey Now podcast. <laughs>